you didn't give up. You refused to give up. What is your story? I need your help today to encourage somebody who's listening, who is ready to do that, ready to give up. They're discouraged because things are really hard right now. Your story about what happened to you, maybe with some simple task or duty, might just be the catalyst that helps somebody persevere. I have a voicemail I want to play. Yes, this is one of those programs generated by a listener who heard something that struck a nerve and she had to call. Write down the number 877-548-3675. This might be from your childhood. You were looking for something lost and you didn't give up. Maybe from your work, somebody brought a car in and nobody could figure out what was wrong with it. This is not fixable. You stayed with it. You figured it out. Maybe the coach said you'll never play in this league. What's your I'm glad it didn't give up story? Let's talk about it today on Chris Fabry Live. Online, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks to our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T's in the chair. Laura will be answering your calls. And since it's Friday, that's right, it's time for the fabulous Fabry Friday Sigh. What does it do, Chris? One, we oxygenate your blood. Two, we get your endorphins going. Three, we raise your serotonin level. Four, we promote lymphatic drainage. And five, we stimulate your parasympathetic system. That's why we call it the five lung languages. We also stimulate your vagus nerve. We help you release acetylcholine. And don't forget what it does to cortisol dissipation. Take in four seconds of air through your nose. Hold it four seconds. And then as you release that air through your mouth, push on the left side of your rib cage to get rid of all that bad carbon dioxide. Today, let's give a sigh for the times you didn't give up. When you're trying to master that piece on the piano or the violin and you wanted to throw the sheet music across the room, and maybe you did, but you went over, picked it up, and learned it all because you didn't give up. When your pet was sick and it seemed like the end, but you didn't give up, and little Fluffy got up and is still running around the yard today. When the assignment from school was so tough you thought, I'll just take a zero, but you hung in there and you turned it in. Today's fabulous Fabry Friday size brought to you by the Society for the Preservation of Perseverance, All Rights Reserved, Void Where Prohibited. No musical pieces were harmed in today's Friday side. For me, it was Fury Lease. I could get the first page, I could get this part of Ludwig's notes, but the section at the bottom where you turn the page, I was just in a state of confusion. This is it. I couldn't get it. I just, get, I just couldn't get that. And then the next section that comes in, the da 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 And I'd just go back to playing the very... I could never play it like that either. <laughs> There's just no way. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan McConaughey on the piano, <laughs> on the Steinway. When you see something good in people, when you see something in nature, in the world around us, you see a reflection of the Creator. When you see a mother gently cradle her child or a father pick up a son or daughter and let that child ride on his shoulders, it is a glimpse of the care, of the nurture, of the love that God has given us. When you see the creativity in nature, when you see the color, when you see the extravagant diversity of the flamingo and the hippo, the giraffe and the platypus, and they always call they don't just call them platypus as a duck build. You gotta put the duck build in there. This is not an accident. This is not just the product of millions of years of chance. This is design. And it shows the creativity of God. And if you dis- disagree with me about that, it's all right. You can be my friend. I see it in the design of cities. 
you look at a city skyline and the creativity it took to build all of that. It is a grace. It is a mercy from above worked out through architects and planners and builders and an awful lot of concrete. I also believe when you see people stick to something, though it would be easier to walk away, when you see them suffer along with some task, or when they are so committed to a person that they don't leave, don't stop, what you are seeing is a reflection of the heart of God who is long-suffering, who is persevering, who is ever-faithful. Remember the friends uh, of the paralytic who opened the roof above Jesus and let him down so that he could be healed? They didn't give up. Aren't you glad? It's real crowded in there. Well, it's the, the crowd's too big, can't get through. No, let's go up to the roof. We heard last Monday, Jerry Ediger was with us. He's been a quadriplegic since 1983, and he sat on the program for the last 19 years. His wife did it for a lot of years, but for the last 19 years, he's had a team of men who've come to his house at five in the morning to get him up every day, prep him for the day, and unleash him into the world so that he can teach young people. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad they haven't given up? So here's my question to you today. When did you refuse to give up. Maybe others told you to, but there was something inside that says, no, let's keep going. And I want to start with the common, everyday, ordinary giving up. It's uh, shoveling the snow, for example. You get to a certain point, it's like, yeah, this is too hard. I can't. And there's something inside that says, no, I'm going to finish this. Uh, trying to fix something like a snowblower. <laughs> so if your snowblower breaks, you either fix it or you shovel. Maybe you had some kind of complicated project, a thousand-piece puzzle. (laughs) Those vexed me to no end. I put this question up on Facebook. You felt like giving up, but you didn't. What were you doing? Fixing your car, sewing a complicated pattern, hunting, fishing? What is your I'm glad I didn't give up story? And Anna was one of the first to respond, and she said, painting. I started painting with oils about 18 months ago. I wanted to give up, but I kept at it. And now I've sold multiple paintings. And she includes one there on the website. You can see it on our Facebook page. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org. So I'd love to get your feedback there or call me with your I didn't give up story. And again, somebody who's listening today needs to hear your story because they're in the middle of something that they are tempted to give up and maybe your story is going to be the catalyst. It's going to be the the thing, the exact thing that they need to hear right here. Here's the number, 877-548-3675. It's a safe place, just you and me. Tell me your I didn't give up story, 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. I've got voicemail and a whole lot more straight ahead on Moody Radio. You didn't give up. 
Tell me your story today at the Radio Backyard Fence. This is Chris Fabry Live. Welcome into a Friday conversation where we get to know each other a little bit better. Judy said, I don't know, Judy, how you could just say this one little sentence with so much meaning. I didn't give up. I searched for and found my daughter who was adopted 33 years ago. (laughs) There's a lot of story and a lot of life behind that I didn't give up. How about you? I got one more line open for you at 877-548-3675. Jordan is in Vermont. Jordan, you didn't give up. Tell me about it. Hey, Chris. Glad to be on. Uh, I was, uh, I think, about 13 years old and playing in the hockey championship game. But uh, I got the flu the night before, and it was... uh, it was an overtime game, and we've been playing so long they had to extend it to two overtimes. Now, our, our team only had like 10 people on it, so one person missing versus the 20 on the other side was going to make a big difference. So I pushed through the whole night, didn't sleep, you know, all the unpleasantness that comes with the flu. And we ended up playing the game. It went into double overtime. I was exhausted, still, you know, vomiting on the bench. Uh, and just suffering, but knowing that we had to win. Towards the third period, we were, went into the locker room, and I turned to my dad. I'm like, I can't do it. I got nothing. I, I'm I'm dying. Yeah, I'm 13. I'm dying. So I go outside to get some fresh air, and I see this girl on the other team jumping up and down and yelling, we're going to win, we're going to win, taunting to the whole <laughs> crowd. <laughs> And I turned around, I walked back in that room, I looked at my dad, I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving, let's go, we're going to do this. <laughs> and uh, I actually uh, ended up assisting three of the goals and scoring one of them. Wow. And the one, this, this one girl who wasn't very good at skating on our team, but stuck through the whole season anyway, I ended up passing it to her, and she scored the winning goal. That was her first goal ever. We Perfect. I was going to tell Ryan to do that. Uh, so how long ago was that, Jordan? Is that like 10 years ago, 20 years ago? It is about 20 years ago, yeah. Years ago. Okay. <laughs> and you still can feel the feeling of walking outside there and, and see the taunting and, you know, no, I got to see this through. And that, my guess is that that has followed you through your life that, you know, in your, whatever you're doing, what your workday world and and your, your life from now on, you remember that there's something about that that sticks with you, right? Oh, amen. Absolutely. It's carried me through a lot of, a lot of rather tough times. Yes. I'm glad. What was the name of the team? What was your mascot? Well, we didn't have a mascot. Uh, we were a very small school, but we played, uh, for Milton, I guess Milton. we could call it that, but it was uh, Pee-wee. No, Pee-wee League. <laughs> Pee-wee League. I love it. I love it that you called in, Jordan. God bless your friend. Um, let's go to Chicago, and is it, let's see, is this A.H. Men? That's all I can see. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Amen, go right Amen. ahead. Amen. Ah, yeah. okay. Uh, now I learned something new today. Yeah. Yes, it's a it's Hebrew and it's a derivative of Amen, which means faithful one. And so, you spell it. <laughs> how do you spell it? 
It's spelled A-M-O-N. A-M-O-N. I've never seen that. Or I've seen it and I've I've thought of Amon, but that's obviously not how to say it. Yeah. Well, you can pronounce it Amon, but I pronounce it Amon. And who gave you that name? My mother. And my mother, she actually lived in Israel for some time. Well, there's something that you you didn't give up on, uh, Amon, <laughs> and I want to hear about it. Okay, so when I I'm a Chicago firefighter, and when I was in the academy, they was working us out real hard, like the second week, something like that, and I was ready to give up, and and just when I was about to give up. I thought, um, what I'm going to tell my wife and kids <laughs> that I quit my job. And after that, I didn't give up. And after that, it got much harder. But that thought never came in my head again. And so I'm so glad I didn't give up. And I really enjoyed being a firefighter. Yeah. Well, and so it was a motivation for you to think of them. It's like, no, I'm going to, dad, you know, you're the husband and dad, I'm going to stick this out, right? Yeah, yeah, because, well, my wife, she's an at-home mom, and I'm the breadwinner, and I had quit my job to take this particular job, and, you know, you just don't go home and say, yeah, I quit my job. No way. (laughs) What is the, uh, what's hard about being a firefighter? What's 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 the hardest thing that you have to go through? A lot of the guys that I've talked with, and ladies too now, but a lot of the guys have said it's just the the hours you got to you got to live there for a time and and be off, but and you never know what's coming up. What is it for you? The hardest thing for me is to see um, when children get hurt really bad and sometimes killed. That's absolutely the worst part of the job. So the um, you know the all the hours and up at midnight. That's difficult, but I kind of just sing or have a good time or just try to just bring joy to what I'm doing to make it, it don't make it easy, but it make it easier. Yes. But, the, um, but when I see, uh, you know, when a child get hurt or killed or that's like the absolute worst, that's when you see grown men cry. Yeah. And it stays with you. And it's, you know, some people can leave their work at, at, at the job site and you can't because it, it makes an impact on you inside. Amon, thank you for your service, first of all, and thanks for being with us today. This is going to encourage somebody. Uh, Jeannie in Georgia. Hi, Jeannie. Go right ahead. Well, hello. Uh, uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm calling because I um, was a 42-year-old mom and had my son, um, my husband, and he uh, decided to homeschool him. And, you know, you have a lot of um, questions and fears and uncertainties about doing this. And I was doing really well till we got to algebra. And so I guess I want to encourage people not to give up when they get to subjects 
that seem like you just can't do, you don't know anything about it, you forgot it, you have fear of math, those type of things um, that you push through, you look at different things, and you have to realize if you love your child so much and your child can do so much more than you think they can. And so don't give up. And I encourage people who are homeschooling that that is really through prayer, with God's help, you can do this with your child if if it's your heart's desire. Have you learned more than your kids have learned? (laughs) Uh, It's just an education all the way through it because I didn't learn that much in the public school system. And by the way, my son just graduated with a BS degree, and he is summa cum laude. Wow. If you know what that means, it's um, 4.0 all through college. And it warms my heart because he did it. I mean, I was just guiding him along with the Lord and just so very proud. But yeah, but you were part of it. it. You were part of it. You gave him that. You gave, you know, and, and it was your excitement coming to it each day along with his participation with you. So that's, you know, when he walked across there and the tassel and all that, that you're, you're a part of that. And I'm sure the whole family too, right? Right. And it's, you can't see it any other way, but just a gift from God, a blessing from God. God has given you the child the children, and when you can put your whole heart into it and educate them in, in all ways, it's such an incredible blessing. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you got through, Jeannie, because there's some homeschooling mom or dad who's listening who says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one more day. <laughs> one more day we're going to go through this. Uh, Dave is in Cleveland, Ohio. Dave, tell me about what you didn't give up on. <laughs> what I... What I didn't give up on, Chris, was snowboarding. And with, uh, with what Jeannie was just talking about, homeschooling. We were homeschooling at the time. We were, uh, this was 1996. We were homeschooling. I had two uh, older kids. And uh, our gym class was going out to the resort and having skiing and snowboarding. So my son, he talks me into snowboarding. And after three weeks, I hurt so bad. I fell so many times just because I wasn't a good, good student. And um, I told him, man, I'm done. I got to quit. He looks at me and goes, hmm, I didn't know my dad was a quitter. And I said, what? He goes, well, you always make us do a whole season of something before you let us quit. And I'm like, really? Oh, I was so upset with him. But I said, fine. And now, 26 years later, I still snowboard. Uh, I have instructed snowboarding for 23 seasons. Wow. Wow. All and, because um, of the challenge, right? All because of the challenge of my son saying, oh, I didn't know my dad was a quitter. So, yeah, it was uh, all because of that. And I've been able to use that platform. Uh, you know, my first ride up on the lift in the morning, if I'm riding with an instructor, I'll, I'll pray with them. And, um, you know, I'm out there. I just encourage students who, you know, are really frustrated because they're not getting it. You know, I can encourage them, keep them happy. And, yeah, it's been a, a fun platform to have. And the Lord has blessed me through it. And I want to, yeah, 
I got two more years before uh, I probably quit. So, <laughs> Dave, that is, I've, bo- I've been wanting to do a program. So, Ryan, mark this. I've been wanting to do a program on when your own advice came back to you. Because I saw somebody uh, <laughs> talk about that, you know, uh, not long ago online. And it, it was your words to your kids. They parrot them back to you. And not only did they say it, but you listened to it. You responded to it. Uh, that's a great story. God bless you, friend. Thank you. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Just had something really interesting happen. There's, there was this hailstorm that, that came through where I am. You may have heard some noise in the background. And there's this just this gorgeous white out on the in Arizona. We don't have a whole lot of of uh, grass in the yard unless you plant it and water it. So it's just you know it's brown out there, but it's all white. There's something going on here with this program too. When you didn't say, uh, when you didn't give up, you, you didn't run away from it. And I love this. Natasha is in Akron, Ohio. Natasha, tell me what happened to you. Hello, Chris. Um, Interestingly enough, it actually pertains to what you said you'd like to do a program on um, with parroting back information to parents. Um, In this situation, I was the parent, (laughs) not so much the parents. Um, But today I had a conversation with my mother um, and it started off as like a regular conversation. Um, She was kind of talking to me about some grievances that she had had with my um, aunt and my Nana and like just kind of giving me some information about some things that she was going through. And it led way to a conversation for us to have about our relationship. And in that conversation, um, I was able to give her some information based on what she had said to me about how she felt concerning my Nana or my grandmother, you know, and their relationship. And, like I was telling um, your assistant, oftentimes when I would talk to my mom, when I talk to my mom, I get really frustrated because things may get, you know, frustrating or tensions get high, conversation gets a little heated. And typically in that moment, I'm willing to be done. Like I, I give up. I'm like, you know what? This isn't worth it. I don't want to argue. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be hurt all over again, you know? And so usually what I would do is I would just kind of get really quiet Um, But in this situation, because as of lately, I've been kind of reading in the word where confrontation isn't necessarily um, a bad thing. Sometimes it's necessary, you know. Um, And so I said, okay, I'm not going to just walk away like I normally would. And so I sat and we continued the conversation. And at the end of the conversation today, we were able to come to a mutual place. We were able to hug. We were able to, you know, apologize to each other. We were able to have mutual respect for each other um, as both mothers and as children. Because, like, at the end of the day, even though my mom is my mom, she's also a child. Like, she's someone's child, if that makes sense. Um, And I was able to see her as such today. I was able to see the daughter in her and not just the mother And I think she was able to see the mother in me and not just her daughter. And so I'm really, really glad that I stuck it out, even though it was very uncomfortable. (laughs) Bingo. But how? So the question is then, 
how, at what point did you decide, you know, you were going to walk away like you, you normally do? And I get that. I've, I'm very much an avoider of conflict. I'd love, you know, I've got to do something, you know, really important here. I got to go get the mail, you know, or well, find something to do. How did you, how did you talk yourself into staying? Well, what I did was, is literally I sat there and I was like, well, God, I need your help. Could you give me peace? So I began to pray. Um, and my mom was still kind of saying some things and I made a decision to listen, not as her daughter to what she was saying, but listen as a fellow woman and how these things that she was saying would make me feel if she weren't saying to them, saying them to me as in our relationship, if that makes sense. Yes. And it was the first time, like I said, I actually saw my mother as a daughter as opposed to my mom. And I don't know how to make that like make sense fully. <laughs> no, you did it. And and where would our world be? Where would world leaders be, you know, if you get there or just in family or churches? Where would we be if we could get to the point where I'm not just seeing you as an adversary or somebody who disagrees with me and so I need to walk away from you, but seeing you really getting a God's eye view of you with all of your experiences and all the struggles. I think what you've done here, Natasha, is is give us a vision for something more in relationship. This happened the other day. We still have two of our adult uh, sons living with us, and they were into this thing. And I heard it <laughs> from my office. And I went out and went out and looked, and my wife was sitting in the chair, and she's just got the you know cup of tea and listening. And instead of engaging and and trying to help out, we just let it go. And it was the most beautiful thing to hear them reconcile and to talk through the thing. It got heated, but it was beautiful at the same time. More straight ahead. Ron Hutchcraft on the program yesterday. I got an email after the program. Listen to this. Carolyn said, I'll be listening to that Ron Hutchcraft program again and again. I cried through the whole thing. So powerful. Especially the last caller who was so captivated by the Titanic story. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Ron. Summer called about this time yesterday, and this is what she said. I had the radio on, and I was kind of not paying attention it was like in the background um and then i heard the thing about the titanic and i've loved titanic since i was a little kid so it kind of piqued my interest hmm. and when you gave the analogy about the lifeboats it really spoke to me because i've been allowing fear and anxiety and insecurity to keep me from turning my lifeboat around to keep me from hmm. talking to other people about god and what Jesus has done for me. And so it just really spoke to me. And I wanted you to know that because um, I really can't get it out of my my heart right now. Um, just how many times I have not turned my life but around. And I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> that was, there was something, of, and Ron and I talked about this after the program. And then I got that email. There was something about her vulnerability and her, her commitment I don't want to do that anymore. And she was responding, if you didn't hear the Titanic story, if you didn't hear the three open prayer, 
if you didn't hear what Ron's wife said to him in the emergency room, <laughs> remember who you are and why you're here. It's all in the book that we're giving this month. In February, we're giving A Life That Matters, Making the Greatest Possible Difference with the Rest of Your Life. And we've already had so much response to this. Thank you. I think it touches that nerve in all of us that says, I know that I'm an ambassador. I'm I'm put here for a purpose. I'm staying here on earth for a purpose. There's a reason for me to be here. And I want to lean into that. I want to do what all, all that God wants me to do. And I want to I don't have to go to some foreign country. There are people right around me every day who don't know the love of God. This is a book that will not it's not gonna smack you over the head or shame you. It will motivate you to be who you are, where you are. <laughs> a life that matters. Call 866-95-FABRY. Go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down. You'll see it right there. I'd love to put this in your hands. chrisfabrylive.org. When you didn't give up is our topic. Lynn is in Akron, Ohio. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Glad you called today. What's your story? I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, I... I've been raised in a Christian home, but for a while, for a lot of years, like a long time, I looked around at the people who went to our church and all of the Christians I knew, um, and I heard everyone just talk all the time about how God was doing so much in their lives and the grace that they've been given was just so abundant and um people who were just always getting prayers answered and even though I was just a kid I really wanted to serve God and I wanted to be close to him and I was always so confused and I felt like I I was doing something wrong but I didn't know what but um a couple of years later, I realized that God wasn't really in the center of my life. I was just kind of pushing him to the sidelines. I called myself a Christian, but I wasn't really doing the things I needed to do and praying frequently. So I was wondering why I was just spiritually dry. Hmm. Um, but a couple of years ago, I developed a couple of chronic illnesses and started having a lot of medical issues. And I finally just entirely surrendered to Jesus, and he absolutely brought me to my knees. And I realized how much I need him and how much I need to rely on him. And I grew a lot closer to him after that and have continued to because I've become very vulnerable now and I feel I felt vulnerable dealing with these health issues and I'm still going through it but I used to think that I was just a kid like I'm just a kid I'm too young God can't use me um the thing that he's going to have me do in my life like my purpose is probably going to happen later I can't serve him now 
even though I really wanted to. But now I've realized I I shouldn't give up and I haven't given up because this has this situation has really given me the opportunity to serve him better and tell people about what he's doing, even though what I'm going through is might be hard. Bingo. Oh, Lynn, and you called and told us about it, too. See, that's the other thing. There are so many people who are listening right now, and I think you're, you're still a teenager, right? Yeah. There's so many people who are twice or three or 15 times older than you. I mean, you're not 15, but a lot older than you who would, who would not pick up the phone and say that. But you as a teenager saying, here's what God's brought me through. Uh, no, here's what he's brought me to and what he's brought me through. And there's no other way than to go through it with him God is using you right here, right now. You don't have to get a degree. You don't have to go through, you know, uh, 20 years of whatever struggle you're going to. You're doing right now. God is using you right where you are. And that's encouraging. Paul talks about don't let anyone look down on you for because of your age. Don't allow them to do that, but be an example for those that are around you. You've done that today. And my guess is that your—that's uh, a paraphrase, by the way. My guess is that your parents are looking on at this, and they are real encouraging of all of all that you're you're dealing with. Is that true? Yeah, there's been a couple of frightening times, but yeah, yeah. I bet there's a lot more to the story, Lynn. God bless you, friend. Thank you for your vulnerability, your honesty. See, that's what happens when we talk about, you know, when you didn't give up, you get to a different level of life. And I think we're going to get there with Steve as well. Steve, join the party. Go right ahead. Shalom Aleichem, Brother Chris. How are you? Thank you. Doing well, friend. It's good. I am that Steve, by the way, and I'm sure you know that. Um, I was about to give up on life. Uh, lost my wife 17 days short of one year ago, and I just had it. I was mad. I thought, God, there's no use for me anymore. My partner's gone. Uh, you know, life's pretty much over. The kids are all grown. Grandkids are out there. They're like out in the country, uh, different states, I mean. And uh, so I thought, you know, they're they're all going to do well. They're all going to do fine without me. And uh, just, you know, take me home, Lord. Uh, let's end this. And I'm finished. And the Lord told me, he says, well, I'm not finished with you. And I said, Lord, I'm a, I'm a senior citizen. I'm up there. He goes, you're a baby. He says, why do you think I call you my child? Every time we talk, he says, my child. And uh, he says, I'm not finished with you. And he says, therefore, you're not finished. He said, you cannot finish yourself. Uh, that will lead you into some big trouble. And uh, he says, when I'm done with you, you'll be home with me. And he said, that's when you can hang it up, so to speak. Uh, he said, there's old people still have ministries. They still have missions in this life. Um, the, uh, you know, and, and it's not just my wife. I went through this spell where a lot of my family were, were checking out and not by choice. Okay. Lost an uncle, lost a grandmother, lost grandfather, mother, dad, brother, baby. And now my wife. 
And so I look at this and I think, wow, uh, you know, Lord, what's left? I mean, it's kind of like getting down to just me. And so I started reminiscing the other night. As a matter of fact, I was going through a, a trunk of pictures, old pictures from years ago and current pictures and things like that. And as I started going through them, I started remembering. And, uh, you know, I just, I found a purpose, I guess. Uh, I went beyond the biblical frame of, of uh, mourning. Uh, one year is what I'm going up to. But I still see a purpose in all this. And I'm still, God shows me little things where I'll do things for somebody or something. And, uh, you know, I think, well, anybody could have done that, Lord. I mean, anybody could have done that. And, but it ends up being, no, they couldn't have done that. You had to do that. Yes. Uh, learning a lot of lessons throughout all this. Uh, don't really have a direction other than for the Lord, because that's all that's left for me. I No earthly father, so he's my father. He always has been. Uh, no wife. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, it's an interesting concept. But, you know, you go through all these phases with death. And then death upon death upon death upon death. And you keep going through all these phases. And you look at yourself and you say, listen, I'm old. There's no purpose for me anymore. And you hear, you know, you read things in the papers about, you know, these people uh, trying to talk people into, if if you serve no purpose, you're no good. And if you're no good, why be around? Uh, You're just wasting time and space and energy and everything else, so to speak. But, uh, no, he, he, uh, I looked over my shoulder and I saw all the things I've done in the past since coming to him. Uh, came to him when I was 27 years old. And I, what I mean by that is I was born and raised in a denominal church setting, and uh, but that wasn't God. I, I didn't have God back then. And I met God in 1980 um, and gave my life to him, got baptized. Uh, one day later, one day after water baptism, I received the spirit baptism, the Holy Ghost baptism. And uh, it, it, it was going along really good. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. Whatever I'd ask God, God would do it because I was new. I, you know, I was just a baby, and I'd ask Him, to, "I want to do this. I want to do that." Uh, I asked Him one time. I said, "Lord, give me more money." And now this is where the flesh kind of comes in. But I said, "Lord, give me more money I've ever had in my life," and He did. But you know how He did it? My dad passed away, and my dad and I just kind of hit and miss throughout life. He wasn't there because uh, my parents divorced when I was just an infant. But during all that time, he squirreled away everything he had, uh, minus his bills and stuff like that. So I get a call from a lawyer, and I go in to see what's going on, and Dad left a whole lot of money, just like I asked God for it. Would I want my dad back and give back the money? Absolutely. I would rather have my dad. I don't care about the money. But that's how it got accomplished. My dad was up there in age, time for him to go. Uh, you know, and it's just every time I turn around, God's there, either correcting me, guiding me, directing me, doing things for me, and showing me that, one, I can't survive without him. Two, that there's more to life than meets the eye, even at my age, and that there are people still out there. Yeah, nowadays they don't listen as much as they used to, uh, but you can you can still crack a hard nut. And, uh, well, you didn't so. give up, Steve, you know, and that, that's the whole point of this. He's still working on you. You're a, you're a work in progress. He who began 
that work in you is faithful to complete it, and you want to be faithful to that. And I know your wife would say the same thing. You know that she would, you would say, she would say that as well. I think you have spoken today for a lot of people who are maybe in your age group, and I don't know exactly what your age group is, but this feeling of being on the outside looking in and wondering what use do I have because I don't have this title anymore and I don't do that and I don't, don't do that. We're going to do a series of programs on wisdom from people a little bit further down the trail in this year. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on getting them to, to come on with us. And I'm going to mention your call and your heart here. Thank you for sharing it. There's somebody who needed to hear your voice today. And there's going to be some folks who are praying for Steve and uh, the loss, the continual grieving process, and for him to hang on and not give up. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. been telling you about the ministry of CareNet, and they want to help move you from pro-life passion. Do you feel pro-life passion? They want to move you to pro-abundant life action, including having conversations with those inside the church who consider themselves pro-choice. From the data that they've gathered, it's clear a large number of people in the church fit that category. And it's why CareNet came up with a free booklet titled, Is the Pro-Choice Position Consistent with the Life and Teachings of Jesus? It has sound biblical arguments, not so you can win an argument, but like our earlier caller was saying, to have a conversation and to pray is just let me hear, let me see this person. It'll give you a tool that will help you move towards someone who disagrees about this fundamental issue of our time. Have you given up on someone who disagrees with you? about the worth of the unborn. Someone you know needs to be introduced to CareNet. Click the green CareNet button at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. If you'd like that booklet, it's free. Click free resources. The first one is listed there. Just click CareNet when you go to chrisfabrylive.org today. chrisfabrylive.org. The whole reason I wanted to do this program, and I haven't even played the, <laughs> the voicemail, We were doing a program, I think it was January the 23rd, and it was for those parents who had children recently be incarcerated. How do you get through that? And it was one of the best programs all year long. And we've, you know, we're 32 days into the 33, into the year. But after that program, I got this voicemail. Hi. I just wanted to share that um, my son has been in and out of jails, first a boy's home and then jail and then prison since the age of 12. And he is currently in a prison, uh, in and out, and uh, he has maybe a couple more years to go. But I just want to encourage those parents, you know, whose hearts are broken over, you know, just the decisions that their children have made to never give up hope, never give up. For a while, even though my church knew about the situation and several people, it was so hard for me. You know what? And the devil would really beat me up. And 
I, you know, would question myself about what have I done? You know, what could I have done differently? And surely we're not perfect parents, you know, but I believe that most parents, you know, try to do the best thing in, in that moment for their children. He was raised under a single parent, which was me. Um, but God had to really just teach me and and to let me know that it had nothing to do with me. I had him in sports, you know, all everything in church. We were in church all the time, but he made the decisions that he made. It was his choice, even at that young age of 12. And so the best thing as parents that we can do for our children is to just continue to pray for them, you know, put them before the Lord, give them to the Lord, and just, you know, press in and be the prayer person in the gap for them that their lives will be turned around. Even though he's still in prison, I see some changes. He has a young daughter, and he's telling her things that I used to tell him. So don't ever give up on your child. God loves them, and he loved us to get us where we are, and he still is. So, you know, just be prayerful. There, There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, and even though we're praying for our children in the gap. So thank you for listening to me. It was a pleasure to hear her heart. And it's why I wanted to do this program. And I'm so glad you've responded today. I don't know the situation you're in. I never know that. God knows. And I see folks who are calling from around the country and say, and Yvonne, I'm sorry we didn't get to you. I'm glad I didn't give up on my marriage. And there are others that are talking about some really deep things. And they have in this hour. I was reading Luke 18 the other day. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable And this is one of the places where Scripture shows us this is why he told the parable. He told a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Or, another translation says, or not become discouraged. Are you discouraged today? Are you like Steve? You know, what's the purpose here? Why am I here? What am I going through? Or is there something that you want to walk away from and and you're feeling that nudge? No, hang in there. Allow God to speak into your heart to pray and not give up and see what he does in his time and his, in his timing. See what he does in you and through you. God bless you, friend. Have a great weekend. Come on back Monday for Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Mm-hmm.